Welcome to the unofficial House of Wind book club, written by two best friends and self-declared members of the Knight Court. Today we are discussing chapters 11 and 12 of A Court of Thorns and Roses. I know you can hear me from the dark. I know you're listening from afar. I thought that no one could fix me. Can't get hold of my feelings with you in my head. Hey Libby, how's your week been going? It's been going uh, slowly and painfully. My wisdom tooth pain has been gone, which was great. Um, But don't worry, it's all right. I can't catch a break. By the next day, I had gotten strep from my child. By the time the strep pain started to fade, it got better because it had developed into an ear infection. So I haven't slept in like the past 24 hours from the pain. So it's been a week. Are you delusional? Because I would have lost my mind at this point. Uh, so I I keep having to reread paragraphs in a book that I'm reading right now, because I, I will realize that's not actually what the paragraph was saying. Like every part of me wants to go to sleep, but like won't. So yes. Have you, have you tried like melatonin? Oh yeah. Yeah, I did. I, or like sleeping pills. I had Z-Quil. Um, <laughs> I had melatonin. You took Z-Quil and you didn't fall asleep? I did. Nothing. Nothing. Like I, I felt it and I was like, man, I could crash right now. And I was like, yeah, do it. Crash. No, didn't happen. Well, at least you've got some reading time in, yeah? Because you can't sleep. Yeah, a lot of rereading, but yeah. Do you have a, a new book you're on? Um, well, mm, I have like three books that I'm on right now. How do you do that? <laughs> okay, look, one of them is an audiobook. It's The the In-Between by Hadley Vlahaus. I'm so sorry. I, I'm so tired Hadley, I don't know how to say her last name right now, which has been phenomenal. And as someone who's like super anxious about death, like it's been very calm, reassuring. So I've, I've enjoyed that. I'm, I'm in the middle of the Throat of Glass series because I'm that's like that's all I've got left of Sarah J. Mass, And I'm trying to pace myself. Are you like savoring it? I am. I, I don't want to be done. And I'm almost towards the end. I, I'm like halfway through her series. So there's that. And then I also got the I'm Glad My Mom's Dead by Jeanette McCurdy. Picked it up from um, a secondhand bookstore, which is like my favorite thing now. I'm, I'm so mad at myself for not looking for one sooner. Gosh, I man, I've consumed it. And it's so hard to decide like which book I'm in the mood for. So I just kind of like rolled the dice and pick one of the three and go with that. So I've got a lot of options right now. I love that. My update this week is a fun one. I know, I think it was like episode one or two, I had said I'd lost 80 pounds. Yup, yup. I just hit 90. Oh my gosh. So that's really fun. I actually, I'm at like 92 right now, 91. That's a lot. That's amazing. That's like two toddlers. Yeah, that that's three of my kids. So yeah. I'm very excited because at 100 pounds, I'm going to do a photo shoot. And I think I kind of want to do a, a spooky-ooky photo shoot in the middle of July or August. I love it. Yes. I just think it'd be fun. 
um, and do like negative 100 in balloons and the whole nine yards. And then I was at the gym today and I was picking up these two 45 pound dumbbells. And I was like, oh my God, because I was just thinking in my head, that's pretty heavy. Like I was just holding 90 pounds in my arms. And then I was like, that is what I lost off my body. Yeah, you were just naturally carrying that around. And now it's gone. No wonder I was tired all the time. Jeez. Gosh, that's some hard work you put in. Like, that's a lot. That's awesome. I did it in four and a half months, which sounds like a joke. That's not a lot of time to lose a whole person off my body. So um, I'm excited. I can't wait to hit 100. And then my best friend that got gastric bypass is coming to visit. And we're going to do a photo shoot together. Yes. Oh, that's going to be great. We're going to post our old like side-by-sides and then us now. Very excited about it. I love that. Can we get an update though? I I think we all are dying to know how baby Nova is doing, please. She is alive. Yes, live. We call her Bear. Her nickname's Bear. So Bear is alive. Um, She's doing just fine. She has her vet appointment tomorrow as of when we're recording this, to get her final like blood work done to make sure her hemoglobin levels are good to go. I think she's good to go. We'll know for sure tomorrow, but she's been acting acting like her normal crazy self. Good. Awesome. Okay, so question of the week. This is like, this is one of my favorite things. This week it is, how did you get your worst scar, Abby? When you asked me this question, I immediately knew which scar I thought of <laughs> and why. I have a scar on my left knee that I've had, honestly, since I was in like second grade. I was riding my bike on my concrete driveway and the driveway was at a slope and I ended up falling off of my bike and skinning my knee on this freshly poured concrete, like rough concrete for like 10 feet. Gross. No. Oh, man. You like, you skidded. You went far. So much so that I, to this day, look down and it looks the same as when it was healed. What? Yeah. It's been 20 something, I would say about 20 years and it still looks the exact same. So that's my worst scar. Oh, and now I've got my gastric bypass scars. So I've got like six little scars across my tummy. But yeah, what about you? I have tiny little ones that aren't that noticeable. Like I had chicken pox as a kid. So like I have like little chicken pox scars. But like my worst one, when I was like five, my appendix ruptured. I My mom took me to the ER and they were like, oh, it's probably just the flu. Like just go home and have her sleep it off. She was like, no, like mom, Spidey's senses were tingling. And um, up the street from us was a doctor she like went up the street and was like nope like something's not right what do I do and so then I guess we went in to the office doctor's office and he was like no this is this is bad because I was just immediately puking everywhere nobody could touch me because I was screaming and so they uh, he was like nope you go to a different ER you get her in this is this is appendicitis and so I did I you would have just died well and that's what he said he's like if you did what they told you she'd be dead and so she, they took, yeah, my mom took me in and um, my brother was like a baby at this point. So she had my baby brother and five-year-old me just vomiting and screaming everywhere. Uh, and my dad's at work and in the military. So it's not like he could just like up and leave and go anywhere. I was about to say he can't just take some time off. No, he, he couldn't just take off. Uh, so they get me into surgery and like midway through surgery, they're like, 
they come out and they're like, yeah, we don't know if she's going to make it. Oh, no. It's like, what? I have a pretty gruesome scar on my abdomen that will always be there because at that point, um, it wasn't just an easy tiny little thing that could fade away like my husband got right yeah like his his is gone like he he got appendicitis as an adult like most people do and the surgery has advanced and there was no need for huge scars across the abdomen so i uh i will always have that and honestly i think it's really cool and i really like it so i'm glad you have a scar you enjoy all right you ready for your chapter chapter 11 Feyre hurriedly throws on layers of clothing and allows herself to hope that her father had sold their cottage and procured a ship to take them far away from all of this. She peeks back out the window to see if her father is still waiting, beckoning her. The silence telling her that nobody had spotted him yet. Feyre climbs down the trellis and wonders how her crippled father had even made it there. Even now, he was limping his way off the grounds. Feyre is mere steps away from freedom when Tamlin catches her. Tamlin lets his claws and fangs show, frightening Feyre. Feyre explains, more so begs him, to let her go after her father. Tamlin growls for her to take another look. Her father now replaced with ash arrows leaning against the gate. They rippled once and morphed into a stack of supplies, rippled twice and became her sisters, holding one another in tears. Feyre is confused and Tamlin annoyed as he reiterates that she was to keep her wits about her. Calling her a fool, he tells her to at least run away in daylight next time. Tamlin shames her further, explaining that this wasn't even as bad as the bog, and the bog isn't even the worst thing out there. Feyre spits out that he can't blame her. She could never want to stay there happily when she could be home with her family. Feyre wants to go home, but Tamlin belittled the thought, calling her home a miserable human existence in comparison. Feyre tells him that she made a promise to her mother to take care of her family, and every single day had been devoted to that vow. A vow that she is now breaking because she was trying to fulfill it by putting food on the table but is now stuck here. Tamlin defends and states that she is fulfilling her vow by remaining here as her family is now better in better care than they were before. Feyre thinks back to her cottage paintings and how her family would soon forget it was her who would even put them there. Feyre rubs at her chest and says she can't give up on them. Tamlin reassures her that she is not. Her family is fed and comfortable and he is a fae, so he cannot lie. Feyre appears shocked to realize that her vow to her mother is actually fulfilled then. Feyre takes a moment and then questions Tamlin about the lack of sentries, to which he explains are at the border. Since he is there, none are needed nearby. Tamlin has been trained as a warrior, spending most of his life in his father's war band. He expected to serve his father, not run the lands. The lands had once been well guarded, but the blight had weakened the wards used to protect them. It was especially unsafe to travel alone at night, more so for a human. Feyre asks what else has changed, and Tamlin answers, everything. Feyre later realizes she now feels hollow and empty with no purpose since her family no longer needs her. She spends her time mostly joining Lucian on Andrus's patrol and sulking over the arrows that had condemned her to this life, this fate. Tamlin was often off hunting the bog and said little to Feyre at meals. Feyre found this as a relief to have the space from him, but Lucian worries for Tamlin. Tamlin gets into moods and will isolate himself, as he is now. Feyre dreams of the ash arrow soaring into the golden eye, except this time it's the eye of a high fae, not a wolf. Feyre jolts awake from the nightmare and tells herself her surroundings are all real. This is real. That was just a dream. And scene. 
Chapter 12. Feyre struggled to rid the nightmare plaguing her as she walked through the empty house. Sleep wasn't an option anymore due to the terror she now held from her dream. Instead, she began to map out the house before her on a sheet of parchment. Since Feyre was unable to read or write, her homemade map's quality was no better than an elementary sketch. She made note of the best hiding places in case things turned south and she needed them. As she walked the hall, she noted the beauty of the Fey art in front of her, and then hesitated, thinking of how Nesta would have laughed at her, a human, even attempting to appreciate art made for and by the fairies they so feared. Later, Feyre promised herself she'd make time to appreciate the art later, another day, since now she had nothing but time in front of her. She silently walked her way down the staircase, listening for any sign of her new housemate. After determining she was alone, Feyre added a few additional marks to her map before she felt it felt him arrive. In front of her, she marveled at the ginormous monster creature that limped in from the garden doors, leaving trails of blood behind him. His form changed from a monster to the man she'd come to know, but something was off. His clothes were shredded, he was without weapons, and his hand was covered in blood. Feyre asked about the bog, and Tamlin stated, without emotion, that the bog was no more. Feyre mentioned the obvious, that he was hurt. Instead of answering, Tamlin diverted the conversation to the map in her hands. She embarrassingly exclaimed that she was just trying to learn a way around the house. Upon glancing at the rudimentary, at best, map, Tamlin questioned if Feyre could write. She didn't answer. Tamlin's blood continued to drip on the marble floor, prompting Feyre to ask where they could tend to his injury. He began to lead her to the small infirmary, and while she followed him, dodging the blood that continued to fall, she couldn't help but feel sorry for him. She felt for the man who was forced into isolation, forced into a life that he hadn't chosen. The closet-like room that was the infirmary was small, not a place that could easily heal the sick from even more than a surface-level ailment. Favor realized that they might not need much more than this since they could do most of their healing with magic. Though, oddly enough, Tamlin's wound did not seem to be healing. Favor began to gather supplies, and though hesitant at first to touch him, she cleaned, bound, and wrapped his hand. None of the wounds required any stitches. While she started to clean up the bloody mess in front of them, Tamlin continued the previous conversation. She couldn't write, but she learned to hunt and survive. She stated she had been forced to learn. That is what happens when you become responsible for other people's survival. Ollie replied was, you aren't what I expected for a human. And with that, she turned on her heel and walked out of the room. The next morning, Thera found herself yearning to be back at the art that hung on the walls of the manor. But as she was about to make her way there, she heard the men arguing in the dining room. Lucian was chastising Tam, asking him why he was just sulking and glowering when there wasn't much time. Time for what? That was unclear. Tamlin urged Lucian to back off, but Lucian stated that Tamlin was about to ruin everything. Talk of more monsters entering their land and barriers between courts vanishing flowed between the men. Feyre continued to eavesdrop until she accidentally knocked against the door, causing both the men to become aware of her presence. Not knowing what to do, Feyre asked Lucian if he was going out for a ride that day, and Lucian curtly said that he wasn't available today, but that Tam would escort her. Tamlin didn't look too happy about that, but let Feyre know he would go at her word. Nervous at the thought of being alone with Tamlin, she quietly said that she didn't want to go for a hunt. He asked her why she'd been going on hunts all this time when she was uninterested in hunting. Thayer changed the subject to him. How was his hand? He said that he didn't thank her for the night before. Thayer stated that there was no need, but he shook his head and explained that the bog's injury caused him to heal too slowly and that she had his gratitude. He questioned how she had learned to wrap his hand, and she had said it was because she had to, had to be able to use her bow the next day if she was injured. Tamlin became quiet and then asked if anybody had ever taken care of her. The answer was simple to Feyre. No, never. Lightening the mood, Tamlin asked if Feyre planned to ever use the knife she stole from the dining room table. Feyre was shocked and spitted that she thought nobody had noticed. 
Tam smiled and said if she was really planning on trying to escape his kind, that she would need to be a little bit more creative than stealing dinner knives. But maybe since she was so good at eavesdropping, she might learn something of value. Favor blushed, embarrassment hitting her ears as she denied eavesdropping, but realized that there was no point in denying what she had heard. She questioned Lucian's statement regarding the lack of time and how many more creatures would make their way into his land. Tamlin stiffened and denied running out of time. He was immortal after all. All he had was time. He continued saying that everything would pass over and be okay eventually, but in the meantime, yes, more creatures would probably find their way into the wood. Tamlin opened a set of doors and announced they had arrived, as requested, to his study. No cliffhangers. That's a first. Look at that. All right. We're safe. I'm glad we're getting somewhere. You know what I mean? I, I enjoy it. Yeah, I'm I'm happy to, to be getting more into the story at this point. Can I just say, like, I, I'm so torn at this point for Feyre where she almost gets hopeful and not even, I don't even want to say hopeful, just like happy. Like her dad came for her. Like he is crippled and he still, he still did it. He did it and he came for her. And at the same time, you're just like, oh, no, oh. And then she starts to question herself, like, wow, how did he get here? But she kind of, like, shoves it down where she doesn't question deep enough to, like, understand that, no, this isn't. No, she's just happy he made, like, he took the effort and time and made it. Right. Like, he made the effort. Yes. And I literally wrote in my book. It's on the first page of chapter 11. She goes, my father, my crippled, broken father had come. And I put dot, dot, dot. That's sad. Right. Like, we know he didn't actually show up, Feyre. I mean, even before we know that he didn't show up, it's like, oh, did he? Did he, though? This doesn't feel real. It doesn't feel logical. And it's just so sad for her. Because Tamlin's like, you stupid human. That's exactly, that was my next point. Like, it's so sad because she's just like, she allowed herself to be excited for a moment and it was like, it wasn't logical and she knows that. And Tamlin just immediately is just like, what is wrong with you? What, like, are you, idiot, idiot. And it's just, thanks, Tamlin, thanks. Kick me while I'm down, please. I mean, if that's not the epitome of human emotions, like getting so excited that your father showed up, it's the one thing you like really (laughs) wanted. Right? And then Tim to be like, okay, stupid person. Right. Hello. Did you not? Why would he show up here without a horse? How'd he get here? Use your brain. You didn't have to be so mean about it, my guy. You could have just been like, hey, no, that's not, that's not him. I'm glad that she finally told him about the promise to the mom because she's been keeping this to herself. And Tim's like, why the hell do you want to go home? Like, we have everything you could possibly want. Your family's taken care of. Like, what do you, what do you need? But I also found it incredibly, like, it was so rude of him to be like, I mean, your, your existence is pitiful compared to what you have now. Thanks. Thank you. Like that, because that was her whole purpose. And, and her meaning in life was to, to, to be that role, to be that caregiver, to take care of her family. And he's just like, that was, that was pitiful. That was nothing. I, you have it so much better. Like, Dude. Yeah, he said, your family's better cared for now than they ever were when you were there. My guy. It's like, we know it. Yeah, like we all know it. But these are things you don't need to be saying out loud. Like, come on. No, that was rude. Like, Lucian was not kidding a few chapters back when he said that Tamlin's like social skills were just complete trash. Because, yeah, 
Yes, they are. Or, oh my God, when, when she goes down and she's thinking about that dream that she had, like time to paint more time with her father, everybody was often married. And she realized that that was only her dream. It wasn't the dream of her family. I, I wrote, ow, because <laughs> that hurt. And what, what got me too is, is literally, wow, yeah, it's literally right after it had been my dream, no one else's, I rubbed it my chest. Like, to me, it's like her heart was breaking. Her, she, she was like physically trying to console herself for this emotional, like, brokenness that she's now feeling the line under that i know we're talking about a very specific part but the line under that said even if i had been a fool a stupid human fool to believe my father would ever actually come for me oh oh that like that makes me so it hurts it really does i said there goes my heart like yeah well as a daughter myself like that that's that would yeah that's heartbreaking or or to think of my child sitting there looking for their father like i i i'm grateful and i i am very aware how like how awesome it is that we have the family dynamic that we do have because obviously there are people there are families out there that are made up of different dynamics um and it just it makes me sad to think of a child waiting for a parent that's not gonna show up it it hurts it hurts my heart and it's not fair, and nobody deserves that. And I just want to say to all the parents that do show up, like, yeah, you're 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 amazing. Because this hurts. This hurts. This line hurts. The thought hurts. Okay, but she does. She does. Like, it finally clicks that her promise to her mom was made, though. So as sad as that was, how as heartbreaking as it was, a couple sentences down, she's like, but then I realized that my promise was officially completed to my mom i feel like she's almost sad by that though too because again her whole purpose was to fulfill this promise and now that it's fulfilled she's even more so like i have no purpose here or there like even if i did leave I, there's no reason for me there's nothing there i'm not needed anywhere and like we talked about earlier that they have no purpose for her they're like walk around my friend why? Why am I? Just why? What am I supposed to do? I would be feeling the same way that pe when people ask like, oh, if if you didn't have to work, what would you be doing? Honestly, I don't think I could just do nothing. I don't think I could just have no purpose and just lounge around in luxury. I, I don't think mentally I could handle that. I would volunteer or something. No, I know for a fact I can't because we moved here and that was the whole I will just be a housewife in Italy and relax. And that... I mean, did, I don't think that lasted a month for you. I don't think you made it a month before you were like, nope, uh-uh, no. No. I, I think if you're somebody that's ever been in survival mode, to then not be and not have anything to do but just exist, it. I think it feels more alarming to do that than being in that survival mode because you're just not used to it. Yeah, I hated it. Mm -mm. She's like enough about me can i learn some more about you please deflecting Feyre, deflecting and so we learn that um tamlin spent most of his life in his father's war band on the borders training as a warrior to one day serve him or others running these lands was not supposed to fall to him okay he almost seems like resentful of his title and position where like he's just like i didn't want this i don't 
it, it, not that he says he doesn't want her there, but he's just like, I, I don't want to have to be doing any of these things. And here I am. But when he's, I mean, when he's sitting there with that, like, resentfulness of his title, it's almost like his attitude towards the position he has in life is he projects that negativity on literally everything else around him. And he's, he's being very dramatic and he goes everything's different now everything oh my gosh and she's like what what's different and he's just like everything (laughs) i said the drama (laughs) my guy come on like i'd be like cool do you want to elaborate please because that was not enough no just everything dramatically looks into the camera i bet fair is just like i don't i don't have time for this whatever okay yep great everything cool thanks bye like so i like how he like she wakes up the next morning and she sees lucian and she you know was like staring after tam for a little bit and or i guess her and lucian were both staring after tam and lucian goes like pale right and so Farrah goes, you worry about him. And Lucia goes, yeah, he gets into to moods. To moods. <laughs> you don't say. Really? I would have never guessed. The, the drama man gets a little bit dramatic. Angry temper boy. <laughs> temper monster man. Claws keep popping out. But what, what really stuck out, though, too, was that Tamlin not being around was a relief to her. Like, she could almost just be like... <sighs> like she could breathe. She she was she was fine being around Lucian, who clearly doesn't like her still. And it wasn't even about being liked. But there's a friendship budding there. Oh yeah, I, I agree. I think there's a friendship budding there. But it's not even to her. Like she doesn't mind not being liked. But like uh, Tamlin, who I I believe Tamlin, in his weird warped way, is making more of an effort to have some form of relationship with Feyre than Lucian is. And yet she is so put off by him and Lucian, who could care less uh, within reason, I guess, Lucian, who could care less, she doesn't mind being around him. Like, that's a relief as long as Tamlin's not there. Like, it's fine. Everything's good when Tamlin's not there. Imagine how that makes Tamlin feel, though. I mean, we we see him in the next chapter getting mad at Lucian. Do you blame him, though? No. (laughs) Okay, speaking of the next chapter, okay, imagine like waiting for him to come home and you realize nobody's up. And so you sneak downstairs and start mapping out in the middle of the dark, this house that you still don't completely understand. (laughs) And then in through the doors of the garden, he limps in in his monster form. She's like, oh shit, I forgot about this. I forgot he looks like that. He turns into a human and is just dripping blood from his hand. And it's like, hey. No big deal. It's totally fine. It's fine. I'm good. Don't mind me. Oh, uh, I do have my favorite quote now that we're talking about chapter 12. Well, I have a couple, but the first favorite quote is when um, the second page of chapter 12 says, I had plenty of hours now, a whole lifetime in front of me. Perhaps I'd figure out what I wish to do with it. As we were talking about, she doesn't know what to do. It seems daunting. I mean, is it not still daunting now as a human? Yeah, I even she's human too it, it, it just 
to her, whatever's left of her lifetime, it's open to do whatever she wants with it. And that's just it. She doesn't know what she wants to do with it. She's almost afraid to do the things. I mean, we know that she likes painting, but she won't tell them about that because if they know something about her, she's afraid of it being used against her. She's still so on edge and so defensive that she won't allow herself to enjoy anything. So she's kind of left like in this she's kind of she's kind of in this like purgatory zone of like her life is almost on hold because she doesn't know how to move forward she doesn't know what moving forward looks like at this point okay which sucks yeah and i mean after she's like what do i do with my life and walks (laughs) tamlin soaking in blood (laughs) and she's like hey I know we're talking right now, but can we, like, not ignore the fact that you're dripping blood all over the pretty marble floors? <laughs> can, we, can we not, like, pretend that that's not happening? That's really gross. And I love how he's like, yeah, we have an infirmary. And takes her to basically a closet. A closet. I just imagine, like, an ironing board folding out of a closet. With a table. like that that's what i pictured my head essentially yeah because like it even says like there there was not much in there i mean it was well stocked for what it was but it's not gonna keep somebody alive if they're truly hurt and then she realizes oh yeah because they've got magic they don't really need to heal they don't need health care must be nice to save on health insurance every american's like Dang it. I love how she gets him fixed up, right? But beforehand, as she's following him in, she goes, I felt sorry for him. Feyre. She's, I don't think she's ready to, she's not ready to admit it to herself. She's definitely not ready to tell herself that she has something other than negative feelings for this guy. But we can see it, Feyre. Come on. I'm like, girl's getting emotion. She's getting emotional. She's got feelings. I'm like, girlfriend, your your feelings are showing right now. If you want to calm down, don't feel bad for him. Because he he's fit, high fit. He's going to heal on his own anyway. So in, in a way, he's probably almost just humoring her by letting her do this. Like, why is he even amusing her patching him up? Well, at this point, I'm like, why isn't he already healing? That's true. Like, should it should it still be like an open dripping wound? Yeah, I guess I guess it could be considered significant then if it wasn't patched up by or like self healed by this point. She even says, "But this wound, this wound wasn't healing." And so I'm like, "Well, that's not good." So she like wraps it up, and then he's like, "Ma'am, you cannot read or write. How do you know first aid?" Because <laughs> she didn't le- learn it from a book. She tends to get very. Uh, defensive and protective whenever anyone brings up her uh, inability to read and write. So I'm surprised she didn't immediately... Wouldn't you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I don't blame her for it. But I'm surprised she didn't shut down and get angry at him in this situation. Like, she actually let him ask her, like, and genuinely responded to him and was like, well... Well, she responded with one of my favorite... Another favorite quote, which is, Okay. That's what happens when you're responsible for lives other than your own, isn't it? You do what you have to do. And that reminded me of literally every mom, every mom that's ever existed. Because you're still taking care of your kid. And you didn't sleep at all last night. Yeah. I couldn't do that. Fair enough. Yes. I'd be like, I love you. Go away. 
<laughs> I don't know how you're doing it, girlfriend. And that's what she's like. She's like, I don't know how I did it, but I had to do it to survive. I had to be able to pull my bow and arrow the next day because I still had to take care of these people. Well, and I don't think that the, you ever stop and think to yourself, how am I doing this? You think that when you're in that mode of living, you just do it. You just, you have, it has to be done. So you just do it. There's no dwelling in it or you're gonna drown that's really all there is to it you pull pull your bootstraps up and you get to it as somebody with anxiety i already feel like i'm drowning so that's only got to be worse yeah yeah i it's i i feel i i think for me if i if i were in this situation if i took a moment to to be like look at all the stuff that i'm facing and dealing with and really let it absorb and, and think about what I'm going through, I think I would... It'd be too much. <laughs> I would go and, and suffer internally. I would, I would immediately be... It would be too much to handle. You just have to... You do. You, you just do. And I think that that's Feyre. She just does. Oh my god. How are we forgetting about the quote where Tamlin goes, Has anybody ever taken care of you? Hmm. Oh my god. Uh, you know what that makes me think of? It makes me think of when people are like, are you okay? And you're like, you want to say yeah, but then you just start crying. You're like, dang it. Like, that's what that was. That was the equivalent of, of are you are you okay? Like, are you, no, really? Like, how are you? And it's just like, uh Has anybody ever taken care of you? And she goes, no. Okay. Uh. All right. That broke my heart, but that's fine. Right. You know what, Farrah? And then Tamlin, Tamlin, like, instead of, like, a really sweet, like, you know, because they were talking about how she is having to take care of other people. And instead of saying something nice to her at the end of that, he just goes, yeah, so you're not what I thought a human would be. And Farrah literally is thinking, fuck you, and walks off. <laughs> Girl, I don't blame you. Yeah. Yeah. Again, those social skills. Man, I, bro, what happened? He he clearly doesn't have the riz. I don't understand. Okay, no, but if we're talking about social skills, this woman goes and eaves, eavesdrops <laughs> on a private conversation. Oh, rude. A little rude. I, 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 girl, I know you're just trying to exist, but like a little bow privacy would have been nice for them. Does she give them that? No. Oh, no. What gets me is how they don't seem to notice. Like, I'm sorry, Mr... With the face, superior hearing, you don't notice. Do you think it's because they were so emotional in this conversation? I would, it, it would have to be. I don't see any other reason that they wouldn't have picked up on any shuffling noises because there's no way, there's no way as a human, she could have been that silent enough for them to not pick up on her. And I mean, what they were talking about was so vague. That's what drove me up the wall. They're literally like, um... Tamlin said, back off to Lucian. And Lucian goes, back off, back off while you steal our fates and ruin everything. Right. I said, my dude, what are we ruining? Can we get a little bit more specific? What, like, something big is obviously going on. And Feyre... Like, don't get me wrong. I love a story build, but like, I want to know now. Tell me. Well, we've been teasing and we've got, who the heck is she? Right? And now everything's being ruined. They're still wearing their fancy fox mask masks. Everything's a big secret and I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like when people are like, we'll talk about it later. No, we won't talk about it later. You tell me right now or I'm going to stress out for the rest of the day. I think it's because I'm a very nosy person. I'm like, you can just tell me now. Like there's certain things, you know this, that your husbands can't tell you about their jobs. Yes. Oh, I get so, like, I rationally know it's not information that I can be privy to. See, I'm just, 
the only way I can, the only way I can handle it is if just don't even bring it up to me. Just don't taunt me with it. Like we, we cannot make it to a birthday or a holiday in this house without giving a gift. Like we always, always exchange gifts early because we can't handle it. And the only way I can do it is I'm like, you just don't even tell me. I like, I see that there is a box in the closet. I don't know what's in the box. I know it's for me, but don't talk to me about it. (laughs) Don't tell me what it is. Right. Like if you don't talk to me about it, I can, I can do it, but like, I can't handle started. And then you just be like, oh, just give it a few days. No, no. So not only are they talking about it and like keeping information from us, mm. Tamlin is being a sassy pants. I, yeah. He goes, watch your mouth, Delusion. Watch your mouth. Whoa. Hey now. Kah. He's like, don't push me. And I was like, I was thinking, Lucian, please push him. Please. I just want to see what happens. Do it. Do it. Push him, Lucian. Do it. Stir the pot. I'm like, he's being a sassy frost. It's only getting worse. Come on. Is for someone who is so sassy and has so much attitude, he folds with Hamlin. And I don't quite understand it yet. You've said this before. Did I? Okay. Well, yeah, I stand by it then. Mm-hmm. And I'm only saying that because... I wonder, do we have any more context now? Hmm. Like, I think you're right. Because I, you were saying that, like, you believed it was out of a respect thing. And, like, I guess to me, I'm still waiting mm-hmm. for more information on why we should respect him so much. Because, like, to me, like... Because we don't. Because <laughs> I, I do not at this point. I, I don't... Like, I, I don't have a lot of respect for this man. I'm still waiting for the turnaround. I'm waiting for the like, oh, I see it now. Cause it's not, it hasn't hit yet. He still frustrates me. Well, do you, do you feel any of the, not the guilt or any of the pity that favor starting to feel? Does any of that move to you? Cause personally, I literally thought boohoo. Right. No, I don't. I, I like, I see, I see favor feeling it. And I, I guess I can, I don't want to say understand. Like, I can, I, I can mentally put myself, like, I, in a position of, like, I get, uh, I, I hate saying it. I guess I can understand why she feels this way, but I don't. I don't. I feel, like, get over yourself, my guy. Like, you are ridiculous. You are a high fae. Look at literally every aspect of your life right now, and you are literally, you're going to complain. You are the highest ranking person there is in this area as far as I'm aware at this point that you like you you are the top dog and you're gonna boohoo about it get over yourself and then and then you're gonna turn around and insult people who have less than you like you can't have it both ways you can't be mad that you are the top dog and then turn around and be like yeah and your life sucks like bro I mean that's what he's doing yeah that I still can't get over the it's at the very end um that has anybody ever taken care of you oh and then after that he tries to like lighten the mood he's like hey um by the way you ever gonna use that knife you stole from my table oh the cringe uh, yes i got secondhand embarrassment for pharaoh oh my gosh i was like beat red for pharaoh i was like oh no oh that hurts right dang it i literally thought oh girlfriend he caught you red-handed See, if they were able to pick up on her doing that, there's no way they see they had to have been so heated about that conversation to not acknowledge it, to not notice her if they yeah, 
there's no way you you pick up on the knife but not pick up on her eavesdropping. Can we just like take a second? Why does it take so long? So many times of Feyre telling them, I don't like hunting, for them to finally grasp the concept that she doesn't like hunting. Like how, how many times has she said this to them? And they're like, wait, you really don't like it? We're, I'm sorry, we're in chapter 12 and you're just now willing to accept this information? She has said this to you since night one, my guys, both of them. And they're both just like, let's go hunting. She, no, no. You want to go hunting? No, I don't. Thank you. She literally did it from necessity. No, yes. Drives me insane. Like the listening skills. Oh, that's in my chapter, isn't it? Yeah, it's chapter 12. Yeah. Because I remember going, yeah, here. Oh, we completely even forgot to talk about that. Um, at the very end, where like towards the end where he's like, um, she's like, I don't want to go hunting. I hate hunting. And he's so shocked. He's like, oh. <gasps> Then what do you want to do? <laughs> she's talked, like you said, she is, this is not the first time she said it, guys. What? No. She's, I, to me, I'd be standing there with like, my mouth would have been a gape. I would have just been like, are you kidding me? I've been asking you what I should do because I don't know because I don't like hunting, but you guys don't seem to listen to anything I say. I would have been like, have you heard me at all over the last couple weeks? No, got it. Anything I've said, not once, not once. The only time I think they truly listened to her was when she... They questioned her about her romantic partners, her pre her previous romantic partners. <laughs> oh, man. That was the only interest they seemed to show. And that wasn't even a conversation she started. That was something they were inquiring about. And <laughs> even then, she's like, why are we talking about this? Like, who have you slept with? They can't, they will not pass the Bechdel test or whatever it's called because. Nope, they'd fail it in a heartbeat. Bear's over here like, I want to know about interests and hobbies and my life and my future. And they're like, so boy. How many men have you slept with? Tell us. Mm. Oh my God. Let's dish. Spill, spill the tea. Um, she's like, why? Why? I don't, I don't want to talk about this. I don't want to know that about you. You don't need to know that about me. I am really glad though that she stuck up for herself and was like, I don't want to hunt anymore. Like, please don't make me do it. And instead he brought her to her, or she requested to go to his study. And I was like, okay, go read the books you can't read, girl. <laughs> Which is also sad. I can't believe she can't read. I wonder why she can't read. At this point, we don't know. We're still not sure why she can't read. Um, and I think it's it's almost it's disappointing because I I think Fair is the type of person that would spend hours just consuming books. She would she would curl up and just read and read and read if she knew how. Fair would love book talk. Oh yeah, yeah. She would be absolutely. I wonder. You know, like. And I don't, I don't know that she would like the, uh, the romance stuff. I think that Pharaoh would be like a descriptive fantasy. Like she would want to read something that's like incredibly detailed and world building. Right. Instead of just romance. Right. Now I feel like her sister Elaine, on the other hand. Right. Yeah. No, Elaine, I feel like, I mean, we don't know much about her still, but. I mean, she, the background character, I'm sure she's like a basic white girl. Right. <laughs> she's, she just seems so like easily swept off her feet, I would say. 
that I think she would be into that kind of stuff. I don't I don't know that she'd like the spiciness. I feel like Elaine's too innocent for spice. It would it would probably like embarrass her. I think so. Oh. I feel like, you know, I bet I bet she would be a Howl's Moving Castle girl. I really do. I really think she'd be, yeah. Elaine? I think she'd like that. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it is a very nice storyline, so maybe. (laughs) Um, my favorite word. Um. Oh, speaking of, what's your favorite quote? Yes, my favorite quote, we, like, super passed it. Let me just go back. My my honorable mention uh, was when Feyre mentally was like, shit, shit, shit. Like, I was just like, that. it just got me. That was funny, because it was when Tamley caught her. Made you giggle. Yeah, <laughs> and I just, so yeah, I, I get that. My favorite quote, um, she is talking to Tamlin about um, the bog not being the worst um, creature in the woods. And he's basically saying that like, he is, he's strong enough to beat it. And like, they don't need more centuries because he's there. Like talking about how, how tough of a guy he is. And she thinks to herself, who are you to be so powerful that they pose no threat to you? Like I... I ate that up. Who are you? Who, who are you? Like it, it, it's so contradictory to like previous chapters where she's like, oh crap, like they are the weapons. They are immortal gods. Like they are. He's so powerful. Yeah. And then she's just like, who are you, my guy? Sit back down. You don't impress me. You are not even a blip on the radar. Get over yourself. You don't impress me. <laughs> get over yourself dude like no thank you i like it just (laughs) that was beautiful it was great it was it was comedic and sassy and just you could just feel the irritation in feyre at this point with that line i was like that that was good let me know what time it is um well it's like almost 10 o'clock here in the morning but i don't think that's what you meant no i meant it's time for star of the week then yes, I know what time it is. I gotta tell you guys a story. I've been a little stressed out recently. No. It's been a little bit of a stressful period. (laughs) And last week I switched up the bios on the stars of the week. Now, if you go back and listen, they are perfect now because I I re-redid them, re-edited them. But I really wanted to say an apology to this week's star of the week, uh, Crescent Cat Co., because I absolutely adore her stuff, and I read her bio last week. So um, I'm sorry. But our star of the week this week, officially, with the correct bio, her name is Crescent Cat Co. And she is obviously on Instagram and Etsy, our two favorite places to share. Um, she has some of the cutest stuff. Like, I don't want to say any star of the weeks are my favorite because that's rude. I can't have favorites. It's like picking a favorite child. (laughs) I can pick a favorite child. Well, you only have one kid. That doesn't count. I know. It it counts, all right? It's e- I, I easily can pick my favorite child. Well, she is one of my favorite stars of the week, um, specifically because I am a true believer. If you have a cute cup, you will drink more. Mm, yep, fair. And this woman has just mugs and coffee cups and like the little, the, um, the little glass ones with the wooden lids. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, those are so cute. I do. And her styles are amazing. She's got like tarot card ones, which um, I'm getting into tarot. So it's like amazing. And she has 
Of course, our favorite quote from the whole series to the stars who listen and the dreams that are answered. She has it in one of the iced coffee mugs, Libby. She, I love her whole vibe. There's like a spooky vibe, but like not spooky at the same time. Uh, you know, you know, like witchy, not witchy where like, I'm not exactly. Yes. I love it. It's perfect. No, she does bookmarks and bags and lids for her. They're called beer can glasses. The little coffee cup glasses, the iced coffee glasses. There's, there's a mug that I really like on there and it's, it's not Akatar related, but it's a, a mug with like two kitty cats and the pride flag and it says alley cat and like i love it i love the play on words and it's because it's also supposed to be kind of like ally alley ally yes it's cute i love it oh Oh, she also has um a a bookish one that says slow burn and it's burning books yeah which is all of our besties books are some slow burn so it's amazing i have like i have there's so much i want from her shop there's another mug i'm uh i'm gonna buy out her whole shop it's it says it's the villain for me and i'm like yep that's me that's my whole thing i do have to let you know that i will be placing a large order the minute we are done recording because i love them so We've droned on about how much we love this woman. I'm going to go ahead and read her bio for the first time ever. (laughs) She says, Hi, I'm Sarah. I live in Atlanta, Georgia and started my Etsy a little over a year ago. I pulled the trigger on a circuit and started making all things witchy, whimsical, spooky, and cute. It was definitely a slow start, but I have loved every minute of it. I love thinking up new items and designs to create and have a blast coming up with cute ways to pack them and make the experience for my buyer extra special. I have been slowly building up my Instagram following and getting to meet other small creators slash shop owners has been so lovely. That's actually how I got into Akatar. I was hearing so much about it. I just had to see what it was all about. And I'm so grateful I did. Though it has kind of become my entire personality trait slash shop, but uh, what can you do? Honestly, my Etsy shop is my hobby right now, though I do love to dabble in random crafts I see on TikTok, going on walks with my boyfriend, reading and cuddling with my cat, Ollie. I think I'm most proud of how far my little shop has come. I design, produce, publish, market, and pack everything on my own. Hopefully one day it can be a full-time job. I'd be so happy if your listeners would follow me and check out my shop. I have plans to add more. I have plans to add many more bookish slash Sarah J Mass items in the coming months, and I do frequent giveaways. And she's our favorite. And Libby, I completely forgot about this, and now I can use it for my big order going in. We have a Etsy shop. What is that called? Gift code. Gift promo code. Discount code. We have a discount code. It's. Akatap 15, so A-C-O-T-A-P 15 for 15% off her whole shop. If you like um, really cute mugs or totes, my friends, you are in the right place. Don't ask yourself if you need them. Do you want them? The answer is hell yes, and I'm going to burn my whole wallet. <laughs> she, I mean, she has one that says cats over people. Are you kidding me? It's perfect perfect so she does have a a ton of math stuff but she also has some witchy fun stuff so please go check her out calling all dreamers we want to hear from you guys as always send us an email to a court of thorns and podcast at gmail.com slide into the dms on instagram check out our tiktok tell us everything about how you found the series your favorite characters your least favorite characters your questions that you have for us. Let us know about times that you also did not sleep for 24 plus hours. 
We're waiting to hear from you guys. To the people who listen and the dreams that are answered. We'll see you next week. And remember, don't let the hard days win. I know you can hear me from the dark. I know you're listening from afar. Words are hard, Libby. Are we Googling? I am. (laughs) I love it. Purgatory.